This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Johnson. And you know, I have to admit, I don't always have the best prayer life. I wonder if you can relate to that. So I know I'm going to learn something from our guest today. He is Michael Jeb, founder and president of Strategic Prayer Initiative, which is part of Harvest Prayer Ministries. He's based in the Chicago area, and he joins me by phone. I'm here at home today, social distancing, as many of you are. So he joins me by phone to discuss effective prayer and how his ministry empowers churches and believers to pray strategically. We're going to find out more about what that means, how you can pray that way, and why it's important in today's episode. So this is just the start of a short series we'll do on the Strategic Prayer Initiative. So welcome, Michael Jeb, to Charisma Connection. Hi, Chris. Good to be with you. Well, I'm glad you could join us today. So let's start with getting to know you as the founder of this ministry. Clearly, you are committed to prayer. You believe it's valuable. But how did you come to that conclusion in your own life? And I wonder, did you have a person who discipled you in prayer? You know, actually, I didn't. To understand my motivations, it's helpful to say that I didn't become a Christian until the last month I was in the university. So I was baptized the same month that I graduated with a finance degree. So I was thinking analytically and strategically all along. And then uh, for some of your older listeners, I used to read uh, Last Day's newsletter when I was a young Christian. It came monthly and it basically discipled me. And in there, there was an article by Leonard Ravenhill, an old gentleman, and he quoted a quote that many people in the prayer movement have been motivated by, and absolutely it motivated me. It was a quote from Andrew Murray, and he said, basically, those who mobilize the Christian church to pray would do more toward the task of world evangelization than any other. And uh, basically, if Murray's right, and I think there's a lot of scripture to support that statement, Um, prayer is a very powerful tool that God has given us and wants us to use and has asked us to use, and it can drive world evangelization. It can drive the kingdom. So it just felt like a good return on investment to spend my energy to try to help people to be more effective in prayer. Absolutely. I used to read those too. That was uh, with Keith Green's ministry, as I recall. Yes, we're dating ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) You bet. (laughs) Well, the very name of your organization relates to strategy. Um, Many Christians don't think that way when it comes to their prayer life. I mean, we we tend to have lists of needs that we pray through from, you know, people who need Christ to those who might be backslidden in their faith to those who are ill, maybe some need jobs. Uh, What about pastors, churches, missionaries? We pray about things like that. But are they strategic? Are our prayers strategic? Not necessarily. So what do you mean by having a strategy and why is that important? Well, I I want to comment on part of the origin of SPI. Um, But first, let me say that what you just described, there is definitely strategic prayers involved there. I mean, praying for missionaries or praying for your pastor or praying for the unsaved, those are strategic prayers. 
but um, I, let me come back to that. I want to tell you the quick story that took place in 1984. I was, uh, I believe, very providentially led to these underground war rooms in London, England. And it was one month after they were open to the public, the general public as a museum for the first time ever. And in those rooms, Winston Churchill, the then prime minister of England, and his cabinet fought the Second World War. And that was a war where 40 to 65 million people died. I mean, it, it was a massive and horrible thing. And I was standing down there in the map room and the tour guide made a comment about this great world map on the wall. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, God's infinite and we're finite and the Holy Spirit somehow intertwines with our thoughts. And I don't always understand, you know, whose thought is whose, whether it's ours or God's or both of ours. But this lady was saying that if you look at the world map, um, you can see that the ocean between the United States and England is a different color in a big archway going from the U.S. to England. And you could clearly see it. And she said, if you were able to cross the room and look up closely at the map, you'd see that there were thousands of pinpricks tracking the convoys and the escort ships across the Atlantic. And I stood there and the thought came into my head, hey, wait a minute. We think we're in a war. I mean, Christians think we're in a spiritual war, but the average Christian doesn't fight it very strategically. So I'm not saying that there aren't churches that don't do a great job, there are. I'm not saying there aren't some people that don't do a great job, there are. But the average American Christian is barely engaged. And um, so let me get back to your question then about strategic. There's two big areas where strategic applies. One, it's in the methodologies that we use. And secondly, there are more strategic prayers available. And I, I would say that through scripture, we know, you know, certain scriptures can tell us certain areas of strategic prayer. And an example of those would be um, in 1 Timothy 2 that says to pray for leaders. Well, if you don't know who the leaders are, you can't pray for them strategically. Or Hebrews 13, pray for prisoners. If you don't know who the prisoners are, it's it's a much more generic prayer. But if there's somebody sitting in a communist jail in China and, and he's our brother or sister in the Lord, um, if you can lift them up by name, that's strategic. Or James 1, praying for orphans or remembering the orphans. Or Matthew 28, the nations. Or Luke 10, laborers. I mean, there there's a lot of scriptural areas that talk about strategic prayer. And one way we tend to think about it is that, <clears throat> that personal prayers often don't require you to look for any information. Let's say your brother's having shoulder surgery, you know, he tells you about it and you pray for him, or your child's having difficulty in school, or your neighbor's got cancer or something. You know, a lot of personal prayer comes to you without any effort. There's a lot of strategic prayer that can truly move the kingdom forward, but it takes somebody doing some research to get it. So, um, yes, praying for pastors is strategic, and praying for missionaries at your church is somebody doing that research. But SPI uses other ministries and our own work to make available strategic prayers that a lot of Christians wouldn't have access to if we didn't make them available, but we also make them available in a very simple, easy to use form because we know from the research what the obstacles to prayer are. And so we've built our systems and strategies 
to overcome the obstacles. Oh, that's wonderful to have that type of resource for Christians to know about what you're doing there at Strategic Prayer Initiative. You know, um, just by observation in the church or small groups, we can tell that many Christians are uncomfortable with prayer. How do we really know that, and I've heard you say this, that multitudes of Christians don't know how to pray? How do we know that? Well, um, SPI is heavily research-based. I mean, we've when you set out to solve problems, the better you understand the problem, the more capable you are of solving it. And then in addition to that, if you measure your results, if you're failing, then you can see you're failing. I, I worked um, for a company that had an interim CEO for a couple of years named Don Potter. The guy ran a publicly traded company as president for 30 years. It was Stuart Warner Electronics. And this company Don and I were working for, not Stuart Warner, the one I worked for that he was the interim CEO, uh, it was a 130-year-old company. And so it, it it was stale in some ways and needed to be refreshed. And Don, and they didn't really have a strategic plan. And Don said to me one day, and you know, I've never forgotten this, I never will. He said, hey, I, Mike, I would rather have a bad plan than no plan. And he said, the reason for that is, is if you have a bad plan, you'll execute the plan and you'll fail and you'll adjust the plan. If you have no plan, you run around trying things but you don't necessarily know where you're failing. And so, you know, by, by measuring whether or not you're succeeding, it's tremendously helpful because in the prayer movement, there has been um, a huge amount of great success in the last 30 to 40 years. There's many people, many tools, all kinds of wonderful things. You're going to have to bring me back to that question because I'm shifting off of it a little bit. So, but let me finish this. No in problem been great successes, but I've talked to half a dozen of the best prayer leaders in the nation or experts, and nobody is getting to the average American Christian. Nobody has been able to, and you know, yes, they have helped the upper 10 or 15 percent and truly helped them, but we have huge numbers of people sitting in the church pews that are, um, that are not succeeding according to themselves. And if we can motivate and move those people, we can wake a sleeping giant. We can move a force that God has put in place that we are just grossly underutilizing. So can you pull me back to the question? Well, I think you kind of answered it. How do we really know that multitudes of Christians don't know how to pray? Okay, well, let me elaborate on that a little bit. Is We did identify the seven main obstacles to prayer, and one of them is never having really been taught how to pray. And it, the numbers that matter are the ones in your church, okay? You know, because they're different in different churches. But we've seen like 35% of the people, so a full third saying that they've never really been taught how to pray and that's a medium to a high level obstacle for them. So there are people saying that. Also, there's a man named David Bryant who started Concerts of Prayer and David Bryant would know more about prayer in America than many, many people. And he said to me once face to face, quote unquote, the church is not praying. And then uh, Jonathan Graff, who um, 
started Pray Magazine, Prayer Connect Magazine, and is the president of the Church Prayer Leaders Network. John told me like 15 years ago at breakfast in a hotel in New York that he was shocked that as he traveled the country teaching and speaking on prayer and writing on prayer, had how many people came up to him and said, I, I've never really been taught how to pray. I don't know how to pray. You know, so I, I can tell it to you analytically and I can tell it to you anecdotally, but I also can tell you that 70 to 85% of the people of the almost 4,000 people we've surveyed Sunday mornings um, are not satisfied with their prayer life. And only 28% of them have a good or a mature prayer life. That means 72%. Sorry about the stats. I know they can get a little dry. I'll try to keep them under, you know, not too many of them, but 72% are poor or fair. So there's there's people that are not doing well according to themselves. And I'll give you one more really important stat. And this was a shocker. And it didn't even, the question didn't even get on our survey work until like the ninth or the eighth revision of the major survey. And um, <clears throat> the question was, you know, what portion of your Christian life have you had a good prayer life? And we found that 40 to 55%, about half of the people in the pews on those Sunday mornings, and we go to ask them Sunday morning because we're trying to get to the average person. That's the only place you're going to get them we found that about half of them said they had never had a good prayer life or a small portion of their entire Christian life. And I always say a small portion means a small portion. So we've got almost half the church sitting there untapped as far as this incredibly powerful tool that God has given us to use. And let me, let me make one tangent related to that. There's a video called, I think it's called The Rise of Satanism. Um, yeah, I forgot the subtitle of it, but in it, they have a number of ex-Satanists that have converted and they're being interviewed and they they have worked in churches. They're assigned churches to go in and, and sow discord and pretend they're a Christian and try to fit in. And one guy said, if we could help the churches to not be praying, then we knew we were succeeding. So I, I submit to you and to all of our listeners there is a sleeping giant of massive proportions that if that giant could be awakened, we could help change the world by just doing what God's already asked us to do. That's an amazing way to think about it as a sleeping giant. And then the fact that we have the enemy of our souls who doesn't want us to pray. Uh, it's, it's rather stimulating to get you thinking about practicing a good prayer life. So. So what can we do to help Christians understand what a good prayer life is and start to practice that daily in their lives? Okay, and that's a wonderful question that always gets asked. <clears throat> and I would answer it this way, but first I, I just want to tell you that we didn't know this, but you know, like four or five survey revisions in, we added a question about, you know, do you think you're supposed to have a good prayer life? And the way we asked it was we said, Assuming it'll look different for different people, different personality types, different seasons in life, different likes and dislikes, assuming it'll look different for different people, which means my wife and I might both have a good prayer life, but they could look very different than each other's. Do you think God wants you to have a good prayer life? And a lot of churches, it'll be 100%. And we use a 96% number, but that's probably conservative. So 
the vast majority of people already think they're supposed to have it. And that's why we've zoned in on it as a target, because we're not asking something that people don't already have a conviction about. We're trying to help them fulfill something they already have a conviction about. So to answer the question of what makes up a good prayer life, the two things, and there's many, many tools in the prayer movement that are available that are really good. These are the two things that I always point to. First off, <clears throat> there's a document entitled, What Does It Take to Have a Good Prayer Life? It's a two-page document. You can download it for free off the SPI website, which I'm sure you'll give that address you know, at the end of this. But um, if you go to the prayer cord system under the tools menu, there's 12 downloads under the prayer cord system. And the last one is, a, is that tool, what's called, what does it take to have a good prayer life? And I, the first side of it is about two dozen verses that if you learn those references, you will have through those two dozen scriptures, you will have a handle on 90% of what it takes to have a biblical good prayer life. Okay, so we're letting the scripture define it as well we should. Um, if you flip it over, then it gives you different guidelines on what it takes to have a good prayer life. And that's a very helpful tool. I was at a friend's house in Champaign, Illinois, a few years back, and I was there for a couple of nights, and they had a small group that was meeting there. And it was a pretty uh, heady small group with a lot of university um, high-level people, um, like PhD programs. And I think there were six people in the table with doctorates or or we're working on them but i'm sorry to say that you know we are all men and women of god and and education does not make a godly person so forgive me for for saying that that way <laughs> that's okay but, but it must have been an interesting group <laughs> it was an interesting group but one of the guys was a, a psych a philosophy professor and you know they gave me the evening to talk about spi to their small group and this guy looked at me and goes well, what does it take to have a good prayer life? So I pulled out this eight and a half by 11 green card that I've just mentioned they can download and went through it briefly with him. And he looked at me and he said, that's exactly what I was looking for. So I felt really good that we were, you know, actually meeting that need. Now, the other tool that I recommend, and you'd have to buy it, but it's worth it. It's a devotional called Love to Pray by Dr. Alvin Vandegren. And Love to Pray is a 40-day devotional on prayer and your prayer life and your relationship with the Lord. And it's just two pages a day, five days a week for eight weeks. It's really easy to consume. And you can get it from Prayer Shop Publishing because um, I don't think they sell it. On, I don't think it's on Amazon or anything. But so it's prayershop.org. But the book is Love to Pray. And I tell you, I gave that to a pastor at my church because I wanted his opinion of it. And he came back to me unsolicited and said, can you get me 20 of these to give to people in my small group? And then I gave oh, wow. it to a elder in the same church and he took because I wanted his opinion on it. And he came back to me and said unsolicited, can I buy 100 of these to give to people that I know? <laughs> And then a church that we um, used, uh, love to pray with the entire congregation in Michigan, um, the pastor told me that he took the book to his monthly meeting with other pastors and he said, folks, this has everything you want your people to know about prayer. 
So I, I endorse love to pray at the highest possible level. It's, it's small. It's not overly expensive. You can get it in bulk discounts and it's, um, and it's really, really good. And I would say for anybody that gets it, you read it at least two or three times because I, I've never heard anything other than positive, even for mature Christians. So those are the two things that I point to as defining a good prayer life. Okay. Well, I think we have scratched the surface of this, you might say, and we're going to dig a little deeper in future episodes here on Charisma Connection in our series on strategic prayer. Um, as we close, Michael, would you like to uh, pray for our listeners that they might learn to have better prayer lives and learn to practice these things? Yeah, absolutely. Can I make a quick comment before I do that? Please do. Um, if you're listening and you have a good prayer life, you're in the 28%. Um, we need your help. And in another episode, we'll talk about the prayer chords tool, which comes out of Ecclesiastes 4.12, a three-strand chord. And I would say to those of you that have a good prayer life, start a chord because you can help two other people to have it. And that way we can expand rapidly. You know, if you have a small group, then you, there's ways we can talk about it in the future of using these tools in a small group that already exists. But, you know, all I'm saying is just because you have a good prayer life, don't think that you can't help two people. And we've made it so super easy for you to help them that it's just, it's, it's, it's so doable and so reasonable. And we've taken into account all the obstacles. So, <laughs> I'll so pray. don't keep it to yourself. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> right. Father God, you know the world, you know the universe, you are magnificent. Lord, you've told us to pray, you've empowered us to pray, you want us to pray. Um, you've asked us to, to devote ourselves to prayer, to be persistent in prayer. Lord, you know that I'm convinced this is a sleeping giant. I mean, I know you want your church praying because the scripture says so. So, so Father, we're asking for your help. I pray that you will wake up this sleeping giant, that you will move in people's hearts, that you will drive people towards growth, that you will help 80% of the Christians, the true Christians in this country to develop and maintain a good prayer life. If that could be done, Lord, and it's impossible with men, but it's not impossible with you, it could change the country. And so we're asking for that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, Michael, where can listeners go to learn more about Strategic Prayer Initiative, or SPI, as you call it? Uh, we have a new website that just went operational April 1, 2020, and it's spi.org. I'm sorry, it's spiprayer.org, spiprayer.org. spiprayer.org, okay, excellent. Well, we'll send our listeners there, and uh, we hope that they will return for the continuation of this series on Strategic Prayer Initiative. Thank you, Michael Jeb, for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us for this visit on Charisma Connection. 
And be sure to check out cpnshows.com for more podcasts on prayer and lots of other interesting topics to give you a spirit-led lift during this pandemic. And we also have a new app at Charisma Media to serve you better. If you like reading Charisma Magazine in print, well, now you can actually listen to it like you would an audiobook. You can get that either at cpnshows.com or at charismamediaaudio.com. You can check it out because there's a 10-day free trial that you can participate in and see how you like it. So just go to charismamediaaudio.com or cpnshows.com. And we thank you. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. <laughs>